Welcome to the Scoop and School podcast. Do they worry you a little? Are you worried? You ridiculous morgoon. My boy. Yeah, right. Yeah, right. Your host, Stephen Kahn. What's happening, everybody? Welcome to week five of the college football season. Can't believe we're already all the way to week five and getting into October here. Been a pretty wild season so far. 25 AP-ranked teams have lost thus far. That is the most through four weeks in the entirety of the AP poll era, dating all the way back to 1936. One ranked team that didn't lose and, uh, and, and doesn't lose very often. Alabama gets a win last weekend. That makes it 100 straight wins versus unranked opponents for the Crimson Tide. Just to put that in perspective a little bit, second place right now is Notre Dame with 35 straight wins against unranked opponents. I mean, we see how hard it is. Clemson was right there. I think they had been second place going to this past week. They lose to an unranked opponent. We'll get into all of that and more with a pretty exciting uh, weekend slate coming up on the docket. But let's start. Uh, let's let's start with this last Saturday, Week Four, and let's start with Notre Dame forty-one, Wisconsin thirteen. A bit of a strange one here. Some some funny stats coming out of this. Uh, Notre Dame becomes the first team since this has been tracked um, to win by twenty-eight or more points while rushing for fewer than ten yards. So I am uh, I am glad that Notre Dame took my advice and pretty much just just threw the ball. Um, exclusively, I mean, I want to I want to pump the brakes a little bit on on getting excited um, about this game and what it could mean for Notre Dame. Obviously, it was a really exciting game to watch, and, and that should be celebrated. But this was not a, a blowout um, by normal terms. This was this was a bit of a slog. Uh, the offense still has some problems, but the defense has been great, and really comes down to a winning mentality. I mean, you know, the the points on special teams and defense count just the same. Now, you might not be able to count on them. Um, as as regularly, but it's still good. It's still good to be doing it. You don't. You didn't see these Alabama teams of the last decade apologizing for scoring defensive touchdowns, and and that's a little bit of what I saw from this Notre Dame team. Is is guys you know make interceptions, and then they're trying to score. And I, and I think that's part of what this Marcus Freeman uh, defense brings. Is you know they're, they're expecting to generate turnovers. They're expecting big plays. They have that you know, mentality. I used to always, Minka Fitzpatrick was someone that I always talked about for Alabama. He would get an interception and no matter where he was on the field, he's like, all right, I've got the ball. I am going to go score now. And it was just good to see uh, back-to-back interception returns for touchdowns and just the mentality that this defense is playing with. Um, I'd be remiss if I did not mention uh, Brian Kelly passing Newt Rockney for the all-time wins lead in Notre Dame history. Um, you know, big, Big congratulations to Coach Kelly. This is a guy that uh, you know. There's there's a seems to be a major major uh, difference of of perception um, between you know just kind of the the casual outside fan uh, slash observer versus sort of how how he's felt about uh, you know within that program within that locker room. And you know a perfect example, he picks up a 15 yard penalty um, for for you know. I, I don't know what it's technically called on sportsmanlike conduct. I, you know, if it's against a coach for for going out on the field and yelling at a ref. Fox cameras didn't pick it up, so you're left to speculate. You know, what what did he do? 
And, you know, it, it later comes out he's he's defending his best player, Kyle Hamilton, who was just, you know, being essentially double teamed on the ground, you know, just total cheap shots uh, on, on a punt on a punt return uh, situation. Pretty much if, if you remember um, Zach Wilson last year against against Coastal Carolina uh, and what had happened in that game, very similar thing going on here. No flag thrown. Kelly goes out and defends his guy. So, again, just... Uh, Congrats to Coach Kelly, and uh, you know, hopefully he can uh, he can keep things moving there. I'll I'll talk a little bit more about Wisconsin uh, when when I talk about their upcoming matchup. But boy, that is uh, that is a bad team. Um, Arkansas knocked off Texas A and M twenty to ten. An outcome that is not shocking. Uh, this Texas A and M team really lost on offense without Haynes King. I'm not sure that they were going to be that awesome with Haynes King. But, uh, you know, good good for, for Arkansas. Head coach Sam Pittman clearly has that team moving in the right direction. And there's clearly an identity that, you know, they're going to they're gonna play some ball control. They're going to move the ball uh, on the ground and, and you know, play, play solid defense. And that's exactly what they're doing. And then we move over to the ACC. Uh, we, we've got Clemson falling to NC State 27-21. to We've got North Carolina falling to Georgia Tech 45-22. to And sure enough, we get Wake Forest beating Virginia 37-17, uh, moving, moving to 4-0 there. Um, we, we've, got, we've got Boston College uh, currently undefeated as well. So the, the best teams in the ACC right now, currently Wake Forest and BC, just to give everyone an idea of, of where things stand in the college football landscape of the ACC, um, yeah, I mean that that Clemson offense. I I don't know why it's so broken, but but it is quite broken. Um, and uh, you know they they sustained a couple injuries in that game. I don't know how quickly it's going to get better for them. And North Carolina, I just you know that they they were they were overhyped coming into the year, and I, I think there's going to be a lot of ups and downs with that team. Um, you know they they could certainly knock off some some high quality opponents, although. There really aren't many high-quality opponents even on the schedule. But uh, they'll, they'll have some impressive wins and, and some bleak-looking losses, and that's exactly what we got in this one. Um, another, another interesting game, uh, Oklahoma was able to fend off West Virginia 16-13 to at home. I mean, certainly not a pretty game. It, it's just kind of with the theme of you got you got Alabama and you got Georgia, and I'm not sure who else we have. I mean, Oregon's looked pretty good, although even they struggled um, a little bit with with a down. Uh, I, I think it was Arizona. I don't even I don't even totally remember who I was watching them play, but uh, they were playing someone not good, and it was close for quite a while. But uh, but back to Oklahoma. I mean, this is an interesting situation here. Fans clearly booing uh, Spencer Rattler. Um, chanting uh, for for the the new freshman quarterback to be coming into the game, they're they're not going to be making a change away from Spencer Rattler. Um, so it will be interesting to see sort of if they can get going um, and and what's the problem because Lincoln Riley has had no problem with offense um, in his time at Oklahoma. So you think it's just a matter of time before they get things going, but again, it's just you know it's it's hard to be consistently great in college football. And, and when you look around the country and you see some of these outcomes, it's just a reminder that you need to be on your game every single week. Um, and, and to be honest, Oklahoma was lucky to come out, out with a win 
in that game. Uh, a lot of it essentially just came down to uh, a bad snap by West Virginia when they were driving potentially for a game-winning field goal. So Oklahoma uh, certainly fortunate to remain unbeaten at this point in the season. Um, staying in the Big 12, uh, someone who, who wasn't undefeated and is even less undefeated now, um, more defeated. Let's go with that. Uh, Iowa State falling to Baylor 31-29. to Baylor now 4-0. So uh, we'll, we'll start to, we can kind of, I think we can put Iowa State away and say, okay, nothing, nothing happened there. Um, and, and now let's, you know, it's, it's like, okay, Baylor, you beat Iowa State. Now you have taken their relevance. You have taken their attention. We will pay attention to you now. And see, this is sort of the part in the year. We get through September, and it's like, okay, well, we're, we're going to pay attention. I mentioned BC. I mentioned Wake Forest. Baylor is on that list. It's like, let's let's see how long you can kind of keep this undefeated thing going. And, and this is always about the time of year where if you're a fan of one of these schools, you're like, hold on. We still haven't lost. You know, now you start... You start getting the coach speak. It's one game at a time. You're, you're focused on the next opponent. And then all of a sudden you're 8-0. And, and you're two-thirds of the way there. And it's uh, uh, it's just an exciting time in college football, especially for some of these schools that maybe aren't used to uh, seeing zeros in the loss column uh, through September. And, uh, and, and you know, now it just becomes a how long can we keep it going. Um, also in the Big 12, Texas put up 70 on Texas Tech, doubled them up 70 to 35. What can I say? Casey Thompson absolutely lighting it up since being inserted as the starting quarterback. Um, you know, I, I'm not saying that that I should be paid as much as Steve Sarkeesian, but I, I should be paid close to as much as Steve Sarkeesian. Um, I would have I would have probably saved them a loss if if they had listened to me. Uh, from the from the get-go and, and started with Casey Thompson. But uh, this this is clearly, I'm a little nervous because I had Texas beating Oklahoma before the season. And now that Oklahoma is trending downwards a little bit and, and Texas is, is on the upswing, I'm afraid that everyone's going to be on that bandwagon for the Red River rivalry. And if that happens, that's when it swings back and Oklahoma takes care of business. But the way things are going right now, I absolutely like Texas to knock off Oklahoma in that game. Um, one thing I want to, I just want to mention as I talk about a, a group of teams here in the Big Ten, it's it's a conversation that ha- has to happen every season, and it's just to be careful with the transitive property in college football. I mean, we had we had Iowa losing at halftime uh, to to Colorado State, uh, ended up you know winning by ten, which I guess that's comfortable-ish. It's, it's certainly not great. And this is a Colorado State team that lost to Vanderbilt. Um, you know, as I as I talked about last week, Penn State was was kind of propped up on on beating Wisconsin and Auburn, but Wisconsin is clearly awful, and Auburn needed a legitimate miracle to beat Georgia State this past weekend. So just let's. That's why this early in the year, it, it's hard to really kind of form opinions based on, oh, we beat them, you got to watch the product on the field this early. And then later, later in the year, because I am a big proponent of resume, resume, resume. Later in the year, we should have enough data points to look at resume. But at this point, it's hard to get too excited about who you've beaten, because we don't know what those teams are yet. And if you're just looking at the product on the field, that can tell a different story. Um, but, uh, but, but moving across... Um, the Big Ten, 
Michigan State uh, overtime win against Nebraska. Nebraska just keeps finding sad, sad ways to lose. Um, definitely, definitely had chances to knock off the Spartans in that one, but uh, but Michigan State stays undefeated, and their their state uh, their their state sharer, the Wolverines, also stay undefeated, winning twenty to thirteen against Rutgers. Um, you know, Rutgers kind of sold out to stop the run, uh, certainly in the second half, and they did that. Um, you know, Michigan had really no offense in the second half because they have not shown that they have a passing game yet. Rutgers left a lot of points out on the field in this game. Um, you know, the opportunity was there. So I think everything we thought, boy, that was a lot of thoughts and things. Um, everything we thought last week pretty much was, was true there, that this Rutgers program is just in such a better shape with Greg Schiano, um, and, and they're just not going to be pushed around um, in, unless, you know, it's a, it's a really good performance and a talented team. And while Michigan is certainly headed in the right direction, they still uh, are, are one-dimensional offensively. And, and, you know, it will be interesting to see how that impacts them going forward. I think that's pretty much it from week four. Um, certainly, you know, this, this is kind of, um, I'm saying we're moving to October, which is always kind of an exciting part of the college football schedule. And it, it's a nice coincidence that this seems like the first time where we had really good games last week, and we've got really good games coming up this week. Um, now, last week, mostly unexpected. The slate didn't look like much, and we had some chaos. This time, we have some some big ones on the schedule to look forward to. And it starts on Friday night. Um, we've we've got the the darling of the show, Utah State Aggies, took, took the tough loss against Boise State. Was not terribly unexpected. Now they're hosting number 19, BYU. Um, you know, another... Uh, this is this is an undefeated matchup, um, not an undefeated matchup, but an undefeated opponent coming in. So big one for the Aggies on that one. And we're going to try to dig deeper into that program whenever we get the chance. We're just uh, we're still waiting on that opportunity. And we've got Iowa going to Maryland. This one is an undefeated matchup. You know, we talked a little bit about Iowa, and I had talked earlier in the year. Some of their great performance earlier in the year was built on defensive touchdowns, and. That's great, but if you can't count on those every week, what else do you have? And this Iowa offense is pretty anemic. It's just, can they go on the road? Um, you know, Talia Tagovailoa, um, he's been pretty good. Uh, you know, a fish, he's not, he's not, you know, lighting it up, but I think last I checked, I think it was something like 10 touchdowns and one interception, uh, high high completion percentage. He's just doing exactly what's been asked of him. Haven't watched a ton of Maryland um, outside of that uh, that opening week win against West Virginia, but that's going to be a tough test. You know uh, the, the crowd, you know, hard, sometimes hard to get the Maryland uh, fans out there for football games, but you got to think Friday night in an undefeated matchup, they should be out there. Uh, they should be pumped up. So this is going to be a tough environment for Iowa. You think that that's the kind of thing that Iowa's sort of built for, just kind of Stay steady, keep it on the ground, move it forward. But I just don't know if this offense quite has it. And again, just in a year of so many upsets so far, let's ride with the Terps in this one. Taub, I don't even know if you listen to this podcast, but if you do, we're going to roll with the Terps. Um, fear the turtle. Go Maryland. Um, moving ahead to Saturday. 
another, I mean, just, just a really great slate. We've got a wedding this weekend. It's a Sunday wedding, which means we get to watch all of this fantastic action starting at noon, Arkansas at Georgia. I think Georgia is really good. Um, I was sort of hoping that coming off, uh, you know, that, that big win for Arkansas, we might see a spread, you know, under two touchdowns in this one. And I was going to be all ready to absolutely hammer Georgia. Vegas, too smart for that. They're not budging. Uh, last I saw, I think it was around 18 and a half. I probably wouldn't touch it on either side, but I, let's just say I think Georgia is much better than Arkansas. Um, and and if, if they come to play, they can certainly win this game by three touchdowns. So while Arkansas is good, they're just, they're just not at the talent level. Um, and I expect Georgia to win that game pretty comfortably. Um, also at noon, Michigan at Wisconsin. This is a this is a game that I gave out uh, Michigan as a pick'em. Um, it's already at Michigan plus two. Uh, it, it was it was it was Michigan plus one. Then it was down to a pick, and I was like, well, let me jump on it before it moves even further. And then it's moved back the way it came at plus two. I just don't understand this one. Um, it's it's I also like the under. Let's let's start there. I like the under forty three and a half. Um, I don't see necessarily either team getting into the 20s in this game. Um, it seems both teams can't really throw the ball. Michigan because they don't really try to, and Wisconsin because their quarterback is not capable. Um, and both teams are pretty good at stopping the run. Ultimately, I just I have more faith in Michigan's mindset coming into this game than Wisconsin's. I have to think that Wisconsin at 1-2 and two, with the way they've played – has to be pretty broken, um, and and I just like someone uh, like Blake Corum, Hassan Haskins, and some of the some of the even without you know Ronnie Bell, some of the guys on the outside for Michigan a lot more than I like any one of the skill position players for Wisconsin. So I think Michigan just kind of makes one more play in this one. Um, you know, I mean, part of the narrative here is I've, I've heard a lot of people kind of say that that you know Wisconsin's been really the major problem for Michigan lately. And I sort of get that because when you're, when you're looking at Michigan over the last three, four, five years, forget about Ohio State because most teams would lose to Ohio State every year. But it's it's been the recent blowouts against Wisconsin that have really been the problem because why, why should Wisconsin be better than Michigan? But then I kind of had to check myself and I, I was like, well, this narrative is built up, but is it really... It's not like Wisconsin's been dominant over Michigan. It was It was just you know, three seasons ago that Michigan had a really, you know, big home win, won by a lot against Wisconsin. I think Shea Patterson ran all over the place. It was just an easy win. So yeah, it's been two bad losses in a row for Michigan. But I, I just don't think that this is a situation where where Michigan can't go into Camp Randall and just kind of play a gross game where they they know they're the better team. Um, ultimately, I think they win this. It wouldn't surprise me if it was something like fourteen to seven. I mean, it could be it could be really low scoring, but I just think Michigan makes enough plays. It might be two plays, but that'll be enough in a game where I just I don't see how Wisconsin possibly scores more than twice. Um, also at noon, Louisville at Wake. Um, this is sort of I was I was talking about. You know, you, you're undefeated through September. Now you gotta now you gotta go prove it. 
and and this is a chance for for Wake to really solidify its its chances in the ACC. Um, you know, they, all of a sudden they've got a target on themselves. They're they're you know you look at ACC standings, they're in first place. Uh, Louisville's not awesome, but they've been decent. Certainly, uh, certainly some capabilities on offense there. This should be a pretty good game. So it's it's how can Wake play with a bit of a target on them? I think it's fortunate for them that they're playing at home. Uh, I expect this one to be a close game. Dave Clawson, one of the best coaches in the country. Maybe a reminder that it's not you know about about rising up sort of to the peaks. Um, when, when, you know, if you're, if you're a coach at not a, a premier program, maybe the way you should be judged is not so much like, can you have one, you know, undefeated season where you, you go to a major bowl game or, but if, can you consistently win seven and eight games at a school where that's not necessarily expected and then occasionally break through with a 10 win season or something like that, that sort of seems to be exactly where Dave Clawson is right now. And I expect him to keep, uh, Keep the momentum rolling for the Deeks. Um, probably going to be a close game. Expected to be exciting, but I think uh, I think Wake can outscore Louisville playing at home. Um, sometimes, you know, in in a in a sleepy noon game like that, it can be a little bit harder for the road team to sort of uh, wake up and show up early. So I think I think Wake gets ahead early, and that allows them to hold on. Moving ahead to two thirty, we've got Cincinnati. At Notre Dame, Notre Dame has won 26 straight games at home, and yet they are a two-point underdog. I gotta say, I'm shocked. I I was talking with friends on Sunday, and my expectation was a three to three and a half point favorite for Notre Dame. Um, the you know the fact that they're an underdog it scares me a little bit. The same way that it scared me that they were a six and a half point underdog last week. I just think that Vegas is wrong in this one. I I think. I think it's a little bit disrespectful. Again, 26 straight home wins. This is just a little uh, a little history uh, in in all time. This is this is a matchup of two AP top 10 teams. I believe Cincinnati is seven. I believe Notre Dame is nine. I can't be certain, um, but uh, in top 10 matchups, Notre Dame 52, 42, and five. All time. So just quick top of the head math, that appears to be 99 top 10 matchups for Notre Dame. Cincinnati is 0-1 in top 10 matchups. So certainly, uh, you know, a pretty normal stage for the Irish, a brand new stage for Cincinnati. This is being called the biggest regular season game in Cincinnati football history. There is no shortage of of storylines. You've got uh, obviously, Brian Kelly came from Cincinnati, although that being 12 years ago at this point, uh, I don't think it's a major, um, you know, impact anymore. Marcus Freeman, obviously, de- defensive quarter- coordinator just last year for Cincinnati. Uh, Mike Mickens, the cornerbacks coach at Notre Dame, uh, has has been at Notre Dame now two years, but both played at Cincinnati under Brian Kelly and was their cornerbacks coach uh, before coming to Notre Dame. And then on the other side, you've got Mike Denbrock, um, the offensive coordinator for Cincinnati, who held that position under Brian Kelly, as well as various other positions for for several years um, at Notre Dame and other stops. And uh, just, you know, one one layer deeper, deeper, you've got Michael Young, uh, a receiver that was at Notre Dame that sort of left the team just in the middle of the season. And and it was a it was a bit of a head scratcher. 
and uh, and and he's one of the best receivers for Cincinnati. So a lot of crossover there. Um, certainly, uh, you know the biggest game of the season, I would say, probably at this point for both teams. Uh, this is the best team that Notre Dame has played. Probably the best team that Notre Dame will play. Um, one thing to note: Cincinnati on defense plays a three-three-five. Just uh, I know most of you probably following me, but in in case you need a little bit more detail than that, that means they're going to have three defensive linemen, three linebackers, and five defensive backs. That's sort of their base defense. In that situation, it's going to be hard to throw the ball against a team playing a three-three-five, especially when they have cornerbacks like Sauce Gardner, who's an absolute beast out there. You almost hope we don't hear Sauce Gardner's name very much because it just means we're not even trying to go at him. And uh, and and I just think that that's not a recipe for ooh recipe pun Sauce Gardner. Um, that's not a recipe for success uh, for Notre Dame. The thing is, against a three-three-five, the best way to beat that is to run on them. And we all know that this Notre Dame team hasn't been very successful running the ball. I think it's a situation where they probably have to try it. Um, You know, in in the Wisconsin game, they abandoned it pretty quickly, and I was very supportive of that. This is a game where you probably have to try because you're not just going to be able to throw the ball all over against a 3-3-5 defense. I'm not even going to really comment on the quarterback situation. I don't know if Jack Cohn is likely to play or not. Um, I don't think it's a huge difference. I mean, with Jack Cohn, you definitely can get more vertical and push the ball downfield, and that's been Notre Dame's best offense is pushing the ball downfield with big chunk plays. You definitely lose that with Tyler Buckner or Drew Pine, but with Tyler Buckner and Drew Pine, you're definitely getting more mobility in the pocket, fewer sacks. So, you know, there's pros and cons to both, and again, given that I just don't know the health of Jack Cohn, I'm not going to speculate. But either way, I think they do need to try running the ball more. Um, On the other side of the ball, I expect Notre Dame to be able to keep the points down here. Um, Cincinnati's offensive line is maybe the weakness of their team. I expect Notre Dame to put a lot of pressure on Desmond Ritter. Of course, he can always escape with his legs. But if they can put Cincinnati in third down scenarios, so, you know, third, third and anything longer than about four or five, I really like Notre Dame's chances. They've been one of the best third down defenses in the entire country. And Desmond Ritter has been struggling in third down situations where it's an obvious passing down. So if Notre Dame can put Cincinnati into third and medium to third and long, I give that a huge advantage to Notre Dame every single time. So in terms of making a pick, I don't even know what Notre Dame fans want me to do here. Um, I, I am one in three in picking Notre Dame games so far. So do, do people want me taking Cincinnati? Um, th- this is a game that, you know, over the last three, four years, if it was one of those Notre Dame teams, I would expect them to just run the ball down Cincinnati's throat and win the game pretty easily. Obviously, that's not been the case here. But when I just look at the rosters, it's the same thing I said to Danny Dimes when we did our preview show. And, uh, and, and the two of us do, we did end up uh, agreeing to a wager for this game. Notre Dame's just got a better roster. They just got better players on most parts of the field. Ultimately, I think they dig deep. They, this offensive line has been playing a little bit better. The Cincinnati defensive line, probably the best defensive line they've played to date. They're going to put pressure on the quarterbacks, but I think they step up just a little bit in the run game. This is the first time we see Notre Dame do anything in the run game. The crowd at home, 
just a little too big a spot for Cincinnati. I think Notre Dame wins the game, wears down Cincinnati. Another great fourth quarter performance. I will take the Irish in a close game at home. 3.30, we've got Ole Miss at Alabama. Um, probably this is going to be the, the only team that has a chance at getting to Alabama until they inevitably play Georgia. Um, you know, Lane Kiffin and Matt Corral are going to show up in this game. Um, typically, over the last 10 years, guys who are able to get Nick Saban's number, uh, they tend to keep it. And, and you know, I'm thinking Kevin Sumlin beat him in 2012, and then they played, you know, close games in, I think, 13 and 14. Um, Hugh Freeze was able to beat uh, Kiffin, uh, sorry, was able to beat Saban twice at, when he was at Ole Miss. And, and Kiffin's certainly a guy that, that's been able to score points on Nick Saban-led teams. Matt Corral, one of the very best quarterbacks in the country. Uh, I saw this line open up at about 18, 18. It seemed way too high. Immediately fell to 14 and a half uh, where it is right now. I would absolutely say take the points in this one. Um, I just, I don't see why Alabama would win this game by more than two scores. I expect them to win and I expect them to pretty much score at will. But I think Ole Miss is going to mostly score at will. They're going to mostly keep up. You know, I could see this being something like, you know, 50, let's say 56 to, to 42. That gets you a cover. Let's say 56-42 Alabama, and you get the cover with the 14 and a half there. Should be a very fun game to watch. Um, and, and I think it's going to be, at the very least, it's going to be worth watching in the second half, um, and uh, there will be a little intrigue there. Uh, and then also at 6.30, we've got Oklahoma at Kansas State. Oklahoma has lost the last two seasons to Kansas State. Um, unfortunately, I just don't think, uh, what's his name, Skyler Howard? Am I making that up? That might be. I think that's the injured uh, Kansas State quarterback's name. He's not expected to be back. They just don't have the quarterback play to put up any kind of points in this game. I think they can... Uh, drag Oklahoma down into the mud with them, but it's going to take, you got to figure it's going to take at least 20 points to win this game, and I'm just not sure Kansas State can get there. So even if it's ugly, I still think uh, Oklahoma finds a way to pull this one out. But uh, I don't know. Important to keep an eye on that one because Oklahoma's just really not been great, and we're sort of waiting for them to snap out of it. Six o'clock, uh, Florida at Kentucky. Uh, Kentucky, another one of those undefeated teams where you're just like, okay, how, how long can we keep this going? Um, but, but yeah, I mean, with them, it, it, it hasn't been particularly impressive scores against uh, not particularly impressive teams. So I don't know how much faith we have in the Wildcats. Um, this was a situation where Kentucky could just never beat Florida. Um, they, they finally broke through and won in 2018, which was their only win since 1986. I really, I have not watched a minute of Kentucky this year. Um, I, I happen to think that Florida is a very good team. So I think Florida wins this one comfortably. 7 o'clock in the Big 12, we've got Baylor at Oklahoma State. Uh, this Both both teams are 4-0. Um, I, I haven't watched a ton of either one. Um, I know that Jerry Bohannon for Baylor has, has been real solid at quarterback, using his arm first, but certainly not afraid to use his legs. And then uh, Spencer Sanders, quarterback for Oklahoma State, 
He's been a little under the radar this year. I uh, was expecting him to sort of break out over the last couple years, and we just hadn't seen it happen. But he's been solid. And then, uh, you know, Jalen Warren's been really good at running back. This Oklahoma team is, has become, Oklahoma State team, I should say, has become more of a running team than they were, you know, in the days that we probably think about them, uh, you know, maybe three, four, five, six years ago and, and before that. Um, it's a situation I would just pick whoever's at home. So let's take Oklahoma State by about a field goal, maybe a touchdown, and roll with that. And then finally, 7.30, we've got BC at Clemson. Um, you know, how bad is Clemson? Um, I, 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 think, I think they're bad enough to suggest that this is, this is a game BC could win. Um, you know, BC coming off the win against Missouri, probably, probably motivated a little bit by the, by the comments made by Missouri coach, uh, yeah, Drinkwitz, um, you know, just talking about he didn't even want to go to BC and what, what was the point of playing this game. So uh, who knows? They might not have the same bulletin board material for this one. But I, I think it's less about how BC plays and more about Clemson. I mean, how do they respond to having two losses at this stage of the season? Uh, you know, Skalski, uh, they're, you know, I think six-year senior leader linebacker at this point. He's out. Uh, I think they have another injury on the defensive line. So Definitely some defensive injuries. Will that allow BC to move the ball? Because without you know a full-strength Clemson defense, I don't think BC has much offensive success. But with the injuries, maybe they do. Um, I ultimately, I just think Clemson is too talented. It's too strong a program. Again, they didn't get here by accident. Dabo Sweeney. It's not like oh he was lucky for six years or whatever. They, they know what they're doing. They, they get back on track. They win. I, I think the 16 points or whatever seems like too many, but I would just, I don't know, I'd be a little bit afraid betting against Clemson with their backs against the walls. Ultimately, I think BC covers, but again, Clemson's just too good. They get the ship righted, and they get back on track. I think that's basically it for the, uh, for the slate. I don't think I have anything else to talk about. This is uh, this is a bit of a short episode, but uh, you know, hopefully, uh, hopefully, enjoyed it. I don't have much to say. You know, USA dominated the Ryder Cup. That was great. Um, everything else, you'll just uh, a quick check in. You know, I'm no longer drinking Sprite Zero with quite the regularity that I was. I'm, I've I've gotten a little more rest over the last two weeks or so. I'm I'm feeling a little bit better. Um, so I just want, you know, all the listeners out there that were worried about my mental state, I appreciate it. Um, you know, we, we still, listen, we've been saying it, we've been saying it for months. We just got to get through November here and, uh, and, and then we can, then we can take a break, then we can relax and then the, the madness stops a little bit, but we're doing good. We're more well rested than before. We're refocused. We're ready to go. Um, yeah, let's, let's go, let's, let's go get these guys. Let's go run out of the tunnel. See you later. That concludes the Scoop and Score podcast. Everyone in this room is now dumber for having listened to it. I award you no points and may God have mercy on your soul.